Well, good morning, Oakwood. Welcome, glad you're here this morning. What a great time of worship this morning and uh, just setting the stage for the Word of God this morning. We're in a series called Love Can. Last week we talked about how love can rescue my relationships. Today we're talking about how love can overcome my circumstances, how love can overcome my circumstances. You know, we live in a time of unprecedented stress and fear. And it seems like as we go through life, stress and fear are on the increase, that our circumstances and the situations we find ourselves in become even harder and harder. This morning, I want you to know that God's love can overcome my circumstances as I let his love strengthen me and give me hope. And we need God's love to strengthen us. We need God's love to give us hope because his love can help us overcome anything in our lives. And so many times our circumstances create stress and fear and we let that shape our future actions. I want you to go back with me to 8.17 p.m. on the evening of March 3rd, 1943. 8.17 p.m., March 3rd, 1943. Bomb sirens were going off all over London, England. People were out and out for the evening. They were at restaurants. The taxi cab drivers were driving people around. Buses were loaded with people. And when the sirens started, it just struck panic and fear and pandemonium. And people were running everywhere. They were jumping out of the taxi cabs and jumping, unloading out of the buses. The anti-aircraft, you could hear it off in the distance, the anti-aircraft artillery being prepared as these planes would come in. But the thing that was kind of weird is that no one saw any planes. But that didn't tone down the horde of people. The chaos lasted for about 15 minutes. The bodies were sorted for about four hours. And in the end, 173 men and women and children lost their lives, but not a single bomb had ever been dropped. It turns out that no bomb killed anyone that night. Fear did. You know, fear loves a good stampede. Fear's payday is blind panic, sleepless nights, and restless hearts. And I would even go on and suggest that fear has been making a really, really good living lately, hasn't it? You know, they're talking about layoffs at work. ISIS is threatening everyone everywhere. Will the economy recover as quickly as we'd like? Outbreaks of mosquito-borne illnesses seem to change and morph every year. I heard there's crazed dictators collecting nuclear weapons, and terrorism is always present. It's an unprecedented time when our military and, and even us as civilians get up every day and have to look at the terror threat level for the day to know how we can go about and conduct our business. We fear so much today. We, we fear going broke. Let's be honest. We fear finishing last. We fear the tick of the clock as it makes us even draw closer to the grave. Some of us, we fear rejection. Some of us, we fear anything that changes, anything that's different. We fear being sued. We fear the future. And because of the fear in our lives, it changes our lives. We have now developed these elaborate security systems for our homes, for our businesses. And they can install cameras everywhere on these systems, and you can see everything. 
We develop technologically advanced and elaborate defense and military systems to protect our country. We now put children in car seats and booster seats until they're into their preteen years just to protect them. It's because we're fearful. They might get hurt. Some people pay thousands of dollars to get their bodies scanned. And all of these developments are from a place of fear. And yet we engage in narcotic drugs more than any other generation in history. We smoke more weed than anyone. Now, of course, that may be because it's legal in some places. A psychologist recently wrote that a child that grows up today lives with as much fear as a psychiatric patient from the 1950s. We are a fear-filled and stress-filled people. How many of you could say that that has made you a better person because you live in fear? Fear seems to do nothing for us except to take, to hurt, to compress, to depress, and it reduces our lives to this paralysis of analysis. And I want to ask you this morning, what if trusting God and His love for us and living in faith and not fear was your default reaction for every circumstance that comes your way in life? Imagine, imagine that your life, what it would be like without stress, uh, if it, without fear, without anxiety or worry, without the dread of what tomorrow could bring or what these people might think, without the fear of fi- failure, death, or, or maybe just not even amounting to much in life. How could your life different? Do you think you might be a better parent if you didn't live in fear? Do you think you could be a better neighbor if you didn't live in fear? Could you be a better spouse if you didn't live in fear? What about being a better friend? You know, the disciples dealt with this, and Jesus gives a wonderful um, story to us in the Gospels about something to deal with this. So if you have your Bibles, please turn to Matthew chapter 8. Matthew chapter 8. Matthew's the first gospel in the New Testament. If you're using the Bible that's provided there in front of you, just grab that Bible, turn it to page 813. It'll be right where we need to be this morning. You can also follow along in our app. We have all the sermon notes and the scriptures right there for you this morning. Matthew chapter 8, we're going to begin with verse 23. Now, if you've been in church for any amount of time, I've been to church camp, you've probably heard this story before, but there's some Several things we just want to bring out of it. And this is the story of when Jesus calms the storm. When Jesus calms the storm, this is what it says. And when he, this being Jesus, the Son of God, when he got into the boat, his disciples followed him. And behold, there arose a great storm on the sea, so that the boat was being swamped by the waves, but he was asleep. And they went to him and woke him, saying, Save us, Lord, we are perishing. And he said to them, Why are you afraid, O you of little faith? And then he rose and rebuked the winds and the sea, and there was a great calm. And the men marveled, saying, What sort of man is this, that even the wind and the seas obey him? Now we've read that in Matthew's Gospel. I want you to turn over to the next book in the Bible, Mark's Gospel, chapter 4. And we're going to do something this morning that we're going to read a parallel passage. Basically, you just heard Matthew's uh, rendition of what happened here. Now we're going to see it through the eyes of Mark. So Mark chapter 4, verse 35. 
Again, this is the same story, just has some more uh, description to it, some, a different angle to it, a parallel passage. Mark chapter 4, verse 35. And this is what it says. It says, On that day, when evening had come, he said to them, Let us go across to the other side. And they're on the Sea of, sea of Galilee here. And leaving the crowd, they took him with them in the boat, just as he was, and other boats were with him. And a great windstorm arose. And the waves were breaking into the boat so that the boat was already filling. But he was in the stern asleep on the cushion. And they woke him. They said to him, Teacher, do you not care that we are perishing? And he awoke and he rebuked the wind and he said to the sea, Peace, be still. And the wind ceased and there was a great calm. And then he said to them, why are you so afraid? Have you still no faith? And they were filled with great fear and said to one another, Who then is this that even the wind and the sea obey him? There's two things out of this passage that seem to just jump out at me. As we're talking about overcoming our circumstances today. Two things that the disciples experienced that we experience in our lives as well and that would be stress and fear you see they think we're just going to go across a lake and i'm sure they would have probably scoped it out ahead of time hey the weather's looking good it's been a nice day but it says in the scripture that the, the storm just came up suddenly it's kind of like the storms in our lives we don't expect them if we saw them on the horizon we might try to avoid them we might steer a different direction but nonetheless we find ourselves just suddenly in the middle of a storm. And those disciples that had been with Jesus, that were walking with Jesus, that were in the same boat with Jesus, had fear and anxiety. It, it got to be one of those situations where when the storm reared its ugly head, the disciples reacted in the flesh instead of in faith. It's interesting, the descriptors in, in uh, Matthew's gospel, in, in chapter 8 there that we read first, it's interesting because he writes this, he, write, he writes that there arose a great storm. Some other translations say there arose a furious storm or a violent storm on the sea. But we know from both accounts that it says the boat was taking on water, the waves were high, the, 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 the sea was, was stormy. And, and, and the water was hitting the side of the boat, and waves were hitting the side of the boat, and the boat was filling with water. It, what's, what's interesting is the Greek words for great storm that Matthew uses in his gospel there is, is the words megas seismos. Megas seismos. Now, we get two English words from this. The first word is megas, which we get our word mega. If something's mega, it's big, it's huge, it's enormous, it's great. And, and so uh, it's a megas, and then he says seismos. Now, think about this. A seismologist studies what? Earthquakes. Very good. A seismograph measures what? Measures earthquake. The intensity, the scale of the, of the earthquakes. Seismology is the study of earthquakes. So it's interesting that Matthew here says that this is a mega seismist, almost like it's a great shaking of the earth, a great earthquake. And when I read that, I was interested to know, does he use that terminology anywhere else in his gospel as he writes? 
And I found that he actually uses it in two other places. Matthew uses this word seismos for earthquake or for shaking of the earth two other times in the gospel. The first time is once to describe the shaking of the hill of Calvary when Jesus was crucified. You remember when Jesus was crucified and he died, it says that there was an earthquake. There was a great earthquake, a mega seismos that happened there. The other time that Matthew uses this description is when there's the shaking of the cemeteries when Jesus rose from the dead. You might remember that. When Jesus comes out of the tomb, when he rose from the dead, it says there's a great shaking and mega seismos on the earth. Now, I want you to think about that this morning. Apparently, the defeat of sin on the cross and the defeat of death in the tomb now have another brother. The defeat of fear on the sea of Galilee. And notice that this storm was a sudden storm, like the ones that blow up in our lives that we don't expect. It's kind of like family during the holidays. It's kind of like an automobile accident. There's a reason it's called an accident. No one planned on it. It's kind of like someone that we really, really love and are really, really close to gets really, really sick type of storm. It's the IRS says that we owe them a bunch more taxes and we didn't see it coming type of storm. It's your marriage is in a downward spiral type of storm. It's these sudden storms. Have you ever had one of those? And then you read, and what is Jesus doing? Okay, the storm comes suddenly upon them. What is Jesus doing? It says Jesus is praying. No, Jesus wasn't praying. Jesus was prepping a Bible study. He was getting ready to preach. No. Jesus was sleeping. He was resting. I think that'd be kind of hard to do in the middle of a, of a great storm, a mega seismos, to be, to be sleeping through it. But Jesus was kind of proving a point to the disciples through this. I mean, I was trying to imagine with our media, with our media today, the thought of the headline in the local media outlets might read this, the thunder roars while Jesus snores. That was original, so you should laugh at that. Or or maybe it would be one like this. The disciples scream while Jesus dreams. I I don't know what they would have said about it, but seriously, Jesus has a peace here. And he was sent by God because God loves us so much. He wants to have a relationship with us. He wants to save us from sin. He wants to save us truly from fear. And he wants us to put our faith in him. And if the storm and the circumstances of life come, we ought to be able to rest in Jesus because he is at peace and he can rest through anything. Now, fear, while in and of itself, it doesn't ever say in the Bible that fear is a sin, fearing can lead to sin because it leads us to want to control our circumstances and be put in situations that we want control, that we want to know what's going on. And sometimes we start putting our faith in other things other than God. But when these challenging circumstances come, and they will come, what does fear do to us? That's what I want to focus on this morning. And I want to share four things that fear does to us this morning. The first one is this. Fear causes us to question the character of God. Fear causes us to question the character of God. Look at Mark 4.38. It says, And they woke him and said to him, Teacher, do you not care that we are perishing? You see, we begin to question God's goodness. We can begin to question his character. God, do you know what's going on? I mean, we're dying here. Do you not care? 
I think this happens in our lives sometimes. When the circumstances get overwhelming and we don't understand what's going on, we begin to question the character of God. And we would be much like the disciples. We might say something like, God, do you care? Fix it. God, I know you're all powerful. You could fix it. God, you could just go like this and you could make it so easy and you could just fix it. And that fear that is in us causes us to wonder and to worry. Is God caring about me? Does God even know what's going on? Is God still the one that is over all of my circumstances in my life? Is he still all sovereign? Is he still all knowing? And this fear causes us to question the character of God, the core of who God really is. We've been through other times in our lives where we have not questioned God when it was easy, but when we go through the tough circumstances and we react in fear instead of faith, it causes us to question the character of God. The second thing is fear causes us to go from faith to faithlessness. If we stay in our fear, it's going to cause us to go from faith to faithlessness. Faith says God can do anything. I'm believing that God can do anything. We see this, this struggle with our faith sometimes when someone is stricken with some type of disease and they really begin to struggle because they're worried and they have fear. We see this when somebody suddenly loses their job, just all of a sudden they're, they're fired or they're laid off. They lose that job and they have this fear. We see this when that court summons comes in the mail that we weren't expecting. There's this stress and anxiety and fear. And when the stress and the fear go up, our tendency is to struggle in the faith. Because as humans, we want to react in the flesh. We want answers. Let's be honest. We want to know exactly what's going on. But where's the faith in that? Because Jesus would say, trust me. Well, I don't know what's going on. I don't know what's going to happen. Trust me. Well, what if this happens? Trust me. Trust is so much harder than knowing. I think if we're being honest and we had our choice in the matter, we'd say, well, we'd just rather know than to have to trust. And I was thinking about fear. What is the opposite of fear? I think if I just threw that out, most of you would say, well, the opposite of fear is bravery. The opposite of fear is courage. But I thought, really, the opposite of fear for a Christian, I think the opposite of fear would be faith and hope and who God is. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1, one of my favorite verses in the Bible, reminds us of this. It says this, it says, now faith is being sure of what? Of what we hope for and certain of what we do not see. We, we don't know, but we're going to have hope and who God is, because we know that God loves us. Fear causes us to go from faith to faithlessness. The third thing that fear does is that fear erodes our understanding of God. Fear erodes our understanding of God. It's amazing when our circumstances are great, and we're not going through any tough times in our life, we really feel like we understand God. We really understand God, and we have no doubt in Him at all. It's, it's like when those tough times come, all of the great and the mighty and the wonderful things that God has done to take care of us, that we've experienced in Him our whole life, all of a sudden, in that moment, in that sudden storm, in that mega seismos, gets thrown out the window in the midst of a tough circumstance. 
And we forget that his ways are higher and better than our ways. We forget that he's the one that holds the plans and holds the future. We forget. We just don't understand why God would allow this to happen to me. The prophet Isaiah, um, in Isaiah chapter 58, verses 8 and 9, wrote this about the Lord speaking to him. And it says this, For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are my ways your ways, declares the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts higher than your thoughts. You see, sometimes, as humans, we just can't know. We can't know why. We can't know the future. We can't know exactly what's going to happen. We just have to understand that God knows. And that what God requires of us is to put our faith in Him and to follow His will and His ways to the best of our comprehension. Our response to our own lack of understanding should be faith and trust in a mighty God who is on the throne of heaven and who has everything under His control. And when we adjust ourselves and look at things through this lens of not fear, but faith and trust in God, it's amazing how it will change your perspective. But faith often erodes our understanding of God. The last one I want to share with you this morning is that fear makes us into control freaks. Fear makes us into control freaks. We're just going to call it what it is. Fear at its core is a perceived loss of control or knowing. That's just the Eric definition, okay? Fear at its core is just perceived loss of control. I'm not in control anymore. Or a loss of knowing. I don't know what's going on. I'm not in control and I'm not, I'm not knowing. So my world is spinning out of control. And so what am I going to do? I'm going to try to gain control. And we've met these people, don't we? we? We know these people. Some of you are laughing, smiling, you know. We laugh about people being control freaks. But I want to tell you this morning, if someone is a control freak, it's for a reason. And I think the reason 99% of the time is fear. It's fear about what could happen if I don't control. Have you ever worked for someone who is control freak? Have you ever had a boss or a manager or someone that was over you, that, that was a higher up that you had to answer to as a control freak? They would not let you do your job. You, you thought, man, I could do this job. I run circles around this job. I don't need anybody. But why? Think about the real reason why. Why do they not let you do your job? Why are they what you would call a control freak? Is because they fear that the outcome of that situation cannot be controlled by God. It's not going to work out the way it's supposed to work out. They are sovereign. They are in control. And they're going to take over the circumstances and they're going to do it their way because they need control. Some of us have friends that are this way. You know exactly what I mean. You have that friend and everybody laughs. Oh, he's such a control freak. Or oh, she's such a control freak. Why? It's because there's fear. Why are they so protective? Because of fear. Something happened to them in the past. And they don't want it to happen to, to their kids or to their family. And so they're going to protect and they're going to guard and they're going to put up walls. And it's all out of fear. They're not going to let that situation happen financially. And so we're going to hoard everything that we've got to make sure that we never have to go through that in our lives. Whatever the circumstances are. I've seen this, I've seen this play out so many times in marriage. 
we become control freaks in marriage, and somebody's got this fear because you know it's their second marriage, and they were cheated on their first marriage, and that's exactly what my husband did before, and so now I'm going to try to control everything, and it's just this fear. You know, I was thinking about terrorism. It's just on our minds all the time. There's terrorist bombings every week. Did you know that we only see about 10% of the terrorist attacks in the world? If you think what you hear and see on the nightly news and stuff... That's not anything. There, there, I was reading on a website, there was like 76,000 people killed in terrorist attacks last year. We only heard of about like 2,000 of them. So the, the other 74,000 people that you didn't know died of terrorist attacks. And terrorism is just, you know, it's one of those things. You've got to kind of think through this stuff sometimes and, and actually dwell on what is actually happening here. See, terrorist bombings to the people of Islam are, are bravery. But to me... They're operated in fear and cowardice. And let me tell you why. And of course, I'm talking about extreme, extremism in Islam. Why? Because they're afraid that Islam is not real and that no one's going to buy it. So their plan is we're going to force everybody on the earth to live and operate in this fear that we will kill you if you don't convert. And so suicide bombings, to me, are not bravery. They're a quick way out because you are fearful. Because you are a fearful person. And what you're doing is you're acting, projecting your fearfulness and trying to control others through fear. You think about this in our lives. There's so many people that control us through fear. Some of you are in a job situation right now, and, and your boss or whoever is, is ahead of you in the company, they have created this environment where you don't know if you're going to have a job tomorrow. You go back tomorrow, you, you have fear. And they're controlling you through fear fear. People that you owe money to, sometimes they get, they get frustrated and they manipulate you and they control you through what? They control you through fear. And God comes and says, I don't want you to have fear anymore. Jesus doesn't want us to go through our lives living in fear. I've never heard people say stuff like this. My phobia has put such a spring in my step. I'd just be a rotten parent if it weren't for my meddling and hypochondria. Thank God for my pessimism because I'm so much a better person since I lost hope in God. You see, fear has a high cost. And Jesus raises his head and he asks a great question of the disciples in Mark 4.40. He says, why are you so afraid? And Jesus was asking that in a very pointed way. He's like, I'm right here. I see the water. I hear the waves. Why are you so afraid? In today's language, I think Jesus would say it this way. Why are you so worked up? In 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 7, it says this. It says that God did not give us a spirit of fear, but a spirit of power and of sound mind. That's the spirit that God puts into us as Christians so we don't have to say, oh, the sky is falling down, the sky is falling down. As we find ourselves surrounded by fear, let us not find ourselves caught up in fear, but let us find ourselves rather responding in faith. Let us rather believe that God loves us so much. Let us believe what it says in 1 John 4.18 where it says that perfect love drives out fear. Because I'm telling you, God loves you so much, he sent Jesus to us. Love can drive out fear. And instead of turning to fear, we're going to now turn to our maker because we do 
what he wants us to do. And we will overcome any circumstance. And there's nothing in this world that will ever separate you from the love of God in Christ Jesus. So when the tough circumstances comes your way, look right into the storm of those circumstances and respond in faith in Jesus because he loves you and love can overcome any circumstance. And Jesus wants to calm your storm. I don't know exactly when and how he's going to do it. But he wants to calm your great storm, your mega seismos. And what he asks you to do is to trust in him. That's what he wants you to do. He just wants you to trust in him. There's this picture that I have in my office. And all the pictures in my office that I have, they mean something to me. I don't know how well you're going to be able to, to see this, but it's a picture of the boat. It's a picture of our story today, really. It's uh, Jesus and the disciples in the boat. You can kind of see the storm clouds kind of rolling away there. And in the picture here, it has Jesus, and he's standing up, and he's got his arms out. And if you read the little caption down here at the bottom, it's actually Mark uh, 4.39. It says, and he arose, and he rebuked the wind, and said unto the sea, Peace, be still. And the wind ceased, and there was a great calm. I hang this in my office because I need this sometimes. I need to remember that Jesus has got this. That he is in control. That he is standing in my ship because I am his child. And even though the storm's raging around me at any moment, Jesus could just stand up and he could just say, peace, be still. We're doing inner city work in Dallas when I was in college. And we brought some kids in from the inner city and uh, brought them up to the college and we were doing activities with them. Kind of did like a mini VBS with them. And at the end of the week, we, we'd been with them Monday through Friday. And, and at the end of the week, it's always a great time to reflect. We were like, what is your favorite thing? And they're like, oh, I love basketball. Or oh, I love when we played soccer, we played this game. And oh, I love the snacks. And I love ice cream. And I love all this stuff. And I remember one of the adults there said, what was your favorite lesson that you learned this week? What was your favorite story? I remember this one uh, little kid, six or seven years old, um, he, he's jumping up and down. You know how it is when the kid wants to be called. He's got his hand up. He's jumping up and down. Like, pick me, pick me, pick me. And, and I remember he's like, yeah. He said, what was, what was your favorite story? He goes, I love the story when, when Jesus was in the boat with his friends and he was like, whoa, chill out. <laughs> like, well, that's not exactly how it goes. It's peace be still. But whoa, whoa chill out will work. <laughs> always stay with me because he was so excited. That was his favorite story. Because I think even at six and seven years old, he could acknowledge something that some of us adults have struggled with sometimes. That God is in control. He's all-powerful. And in any moment, he can stand up and just raise his hands and say, peace, be still. And even the waves of the sea and the winds of the storm will obey him. In 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 7, in the, toward the end of the love chapter there, it says this. It says that love bears all things, believes all things, 
hopes all things and endures all things. Love never fails. God's love can help you overcome your circumstances. But this morning I'm here to tell you that your response is that you've got to put your faith and your trust in Him. And when those storms come in your life, there's so many times where Jesus says, I just want you to have peace. I just want you to be still. In your moment, in your chaos, when everything's going around, I want you to be like me in front of the boat, sleeping and taking a nap. You can sleep through this storm because I am in control. Sometimes he tells us, peace, be still as people. This morning, if you haven't put your faith in God, then that means you put your faith in something else. Maybe you've got that faith in your bank account. You've got your faith in some doctor. You've got your faith in, in some relationship. But I want to challenge you this morning. Put God first. And you will find rest for your weary soul. Put your trust and your faith in Jesus Christ. Because his love can overcome all of your circumstances.